This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me introduce the panel, and then we'll get to that. I'll introduce our panel in just a moment, and we'll we'll get to the Hutches on the Beach question. Uh, first of all, the veteran, you know him well. He is here regularly because, well, because he's great at this. Mike Fortune from Cable 14, owner of many TV shows and the best hair in this city. Michael, yeah. thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure. It's like my fifth job. I love coming in here. It's we fantastic. love having yeah. you in here. And next to him, a first-timer, but I mean, again, you've lived on the radio, you've lived on TV. This is hardly, you know, you're hardly shaking in your boots over here to do some radio. Sue Prestage, who is the head of Mohawk's journalism program, longtime CBC, women's TSN, um, I don't know where else. Where, where else have you? It's long time. That's all you have to say. No, I've, uh, Veteran. Yeah, I've enjoyed working in the media, but this is thrilling. This is great to be here in the studio with you. And the best part, Mike, you don't know this story. No, no. What? First time I ever kind of had contact with Sue Prestige was when I won a, my first ever award for writing, and the judge was Sue Prestige. There you go. All which right. Which explains a lot about why she's here. <laughs> I saw talent you saw it? that early. Do you remember what it was that he wrote about? Or? No. No, no, it was no, a long, long, long time Do you remember ago. what it was, Scott? I do. I okay. do. I do. It was actually about uh, a uh, Hamilton goalie for the Hamilton Bulldogs, a guy named Mike Menard, who had uh, been sure. very involved with a girl who had a rare form of cancer, and basically okay. the family said that he had saved her life through his uh, interactions with her. Okay, so now it's all coming it's back. It's all coming back go. now. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was okay, but, um, but I, you know, I still thank Sue. Sue has a special place of honor in the house. <laughs> it was that moment that I was encouraged that maybe... Maybe I could keep going at this job. So that was uh, You've that was done good. an admirable job. I'm so proud of you. Well, I thank you. Why, thank you. Now, I am going to get to the quiz question. Don't go away, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's get on to the first topic, though, tonight, because um, I really found this interesting, and we've there's been endless, endless talking soon, hopefully, to go away, because I think we're all getting a little fatigued by it. But there's been endless talking about the American presidential campaign. Uh, it does never go away. But... I found something really interesting over the last little while. When Bill Clinton had his women issues and claims of sexual assault and all kinds of other things and improper conduct, Democrats, left-leaning people, supporters generally rose up and dismissed those as scurrilous, as unfair, as whatever else. When Donald Trump has accusations of sexual assault, of groping women, of everything else, Republicans, right-leaning people, supporters rise up and say they're scurrilous, they don't matter, they're not true, everything else. Go down the list, and if you find a politician who has someone accusing him of improper sexual behavior, until that person, or if that day comes, that they acknowledge they did it, their supporters will stand up for them regardless of what they otherwise would feel about sexual assault. And it started to dawn on me soon. Maybe I'm the last one to the dance on this one. Is sexual assault merely a, is your view on sexual assault dependent on your political standing and whether or not you support someone? It seems to me if we are against it, we should be against it regardless of who the person is, whether we agree with their philosophy, their politics, whatever. But we don't seem to ever do that. It's only a problem if it's someone we generally disagree with. It's also part of an election campaign. And, you know, in all those instances that you spoke about, it was part of an election campaign. And forgiveness happens on a great scale when it's part of an election campaign and it involves your particular candidate. You mentioned that when politicians have had these indiscretions and they step forward finally and say, okay, I did it, 
it's fine, I'm admitting to it, that the public's memory is really short. Then they say, okay, well, I'm just glad he stood up and said that. Trump is denying he even knew these women. It goes beyond the pale to think that he could, with all the videos we have now, which in a lot of situations before, we didn't have the videos and we didn't have the audio, to prove that, in fact, it did happen. But then his comments about the women, well, you know, she isn't my type anyway. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's just... Such a punch in the gut to oh, they, most women. I don't know how women comments. could vote for Trump. I yeah, don't. They are offensive comments. I don't think anyone is going to dispute that. And and you know, at the same time, and again, I, I, it is equal opportunity on both sides because we know Bill Clinton has had people accuse him of stuff. And Mike, we know that people have said either with Monica Lewinsky, it was oh well, you know, okay, or you know, these women who he says he didn't it. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. We seem to use, it seems, sexual assault is rel- is relative to the bigger picture. Yeah, sex lies and scandals. It's, it's truly something else. And I think what one of the mindsets might be is you're voting, you're backing f- for this particular candidate. You want to You want to do everything you can to make sure that your vote has been has been done properly and accurately, and you yourself don't want to look like a bit of an idiot and a bozo, maybe. So you're going to accept whatever has been done or said and say, it's okay, because you know what? I voted for him, so it's okay. But if it's the other person, oh, then you're pointing your finger. Oh, that's not right. We're not voting for you. It's a really funny mind twist that I think goes on, psychology through the brain. And in this election, there's a, you know, there's even more of a bit of a spin on this because Donald Trump keeps trying to lay the indiscretions of Bill Clinton on Hillary Clinton. You know, I mean, really? Bill Clinton is not running. He loves it. But he is, you know, to take that, the indiscretions of the husband and try to say, Mm -hmm. you know, Hillary, remember what your husband did. I don't know, you know, the bully aspect of that is is just frightening. Well, I mean, the point that is being made, and I frankly was shocked that he didn't take this in the debate, in the last debate, is she stood there and, and you know, Hillary Clinton said, every woman deserves to be heard, every woman, is, you know, and yet when her husband was being accused of things, she was the one who was leading the charge against the women, saying you're, you know, trailer trash or whatever else. But the point is, again... We seem to really, really, really care, as we should, about sexual assault until it impacts someone that we support. And then anyone who would accuse that person of sexual assault must be an idiot, must be a wingnut, must be a crackpot. And we seem to have no concern when it's someone that we like or we support or we care for. And I just, I don't understand. We either care about it as a general rule or we don't because I don't know how you pick and choose which cases of sexual assault you really want to take seriously. It, it's almost like, as the voter, you you are denying it yourself. So maybe you don't feel guilty about what someone else has done, but because you're backing them, you will support them just so you feel better about yourself. And one of the saddest things is the victims of the sexual assault outside of, I mean, really, Monica Lewinsky's name is the one that everybody remembers. Yes. But let's name any of the ones that have come forward in the Trump case. Well, just, Do you remember any of no, the names? Except, well, who was the, the uni- Miss Universe one? Miss That's Universe. the only other one I've heard. But And then you have to feel sorry for these young women who, regardless of when this happened, last year or 20 years ago, 
But just imagine all the memories it's conjuring up in their minds and how they're feeling in their <clears throat> skin right now just because maybe they wanted to keep it to themselves and, and move on with their lives. I know we're supposed to say get out and talk about it, but just imagine what they're going through now. Here it goes again. But at least they were brave enough to step forward and yep. do it. Yep. I mean, they didn't have to. They could have a sat back. Have. A lot of them not have. And we don't know how many more exactly. are, you yeah. know, said, I'm not going to step forward and do this. I don't have to be mentioned as somebody who, well, she's really not my type. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I the bravery of those women to stand up and say that, I think is astonishing. But, and you know what the funny thing, not funny, sorry, there's not funny here. It's not even just politics. I mean, politics is, for whatever reason, politicians seem to have a very difficult time keeping their pants zipped up. I've never quite understood why that particular profession requires you. Because it's power. A power trip, yeah. Okay, I I get that. But there's a lot of people that have power that don't abuse it. Like You don't abuse your power, Scott? (laughs) Not in that way. Um, No, but think about it. I know where you're going with this. Whether it's an athlete or a politician, they have this power. They, there's this aura. There's the, there's the glitz, the glamour, the, the, the money, the fame, the limos, the, 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 the bling, you name it. And you put yourself in these positions. And then once they get caught, whether you're a politician, whether you're an athlete, you know what? They're up here on a pedestal. They but again, no you know wrong. what? We pick and we choose. Even in these cases, we pick and we choose if we like a person, if we like what they stand for generally, what they do, and, and the first name that comes to mind, and I, I, I never thought I would bring up this name again on the show. I thought we had exhausted it, but John Gomeshi. Uh, mm-hmm. We went through this whole thing. If you were a fan of his Q show, he couldn't be guilty. He wasn't guilty. We know he didn't do it. If you weren't a fan and you just heard the allegations, well, of course he did it. And so we 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 don't seem to be in any way consistent about these topics. It's entirely, it seems to me, based on your view of whether you like the person, and we can't get past that. I might disagree with that, because with the Gian Gomeshi situation, I heard more people say, you know, I'll take nothing away from him in terms of the fact that they really liked his interviewing style. Um, (laughs) Billy Bob Thornton may not have liked his (laughs) interviewing style, but... The fact of the matter is, they would say, we really love his, his interviewing style, but really, he did that? So it was, to me, I heard a lot of people separating the two, which is good. What about Bill Cosby? Now, there oh. are a lot of women who have come out since, but there's still a lot of people that would, if you had Bill Cosby in town, if you had Bill they'll still go and see him, still and they'll him, separate yeah. the two sides of him, and they'll say, no, I like him, so I'm not worried. Well, see, that the, the perception for me is, you buy a ticket, you were giving this individual money to perform, even after all the things that he's been accused of. That is my choice, whether I buy a ticket to go to see him, and I wouldn't do it in a thousand years. But you're right. There's some people that say, I choose a perhaps not to believe him, or I simply, I'm going to give him money, you know, let's, let's hear his comedy. I've been listening to him for years, so it's okay. I don't agree with that, but people will do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, and it's same with an athlete as well. They'll right. still purchase a ticket to go watch their favorite sports team. Look what just came out regarding the New York Giants kicker. People are still going to be going out supporting the Giants, and here the Giants have done nothing about it. Again, I think it's because with sports, at least, that's an escape. You want to get out of your regular routine in your life. Politics is a little bit different. But again, I go back to what I said earlier, guys, in regarding you put these powerful people up on a pedestal, and because you support them, you want to make sure that they can do no wrong because in your eyes, then that means you've done no wrong. 
Does that make sense? It does. It does. But you know what's really interesting, and this is a bit off topic, but when I headed up WTSN, I remember sitting down with the, the uh, editor of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a major newspaper, and I said, can you explain to me why you don't cover women's sports in your sports pages, yet you'll devote an inordinate amount of space to so-and-so attacked his wife, so-and-so, uh, you know, um, I don't know, t- was taking drugs, etc. And the sad response I got was that, first of all, he didn't feel that anybody cared about women's sports. I think the Canadian women's soccer team has kind of changed that up over the years. But he also said he gets more complaints about the lack of coverage of equestrian events than he does about the lack of women's sports in the newspaper, mm-hmm. which I just said, oh, are you kidding me? But whatever. We, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to go to the, the uh, quiz in just a second. I will say women's sports has finally, as of last night, arrived in the big time. You want to know how? WNBA WNBA final game had a massive refereeing controversy with a missed botched instant replay that cost Minnesota the championship. When you have arrived at the point where you are now debating a refereeing instant replay controversy, (laughs) you're every bit as big and as good as the guys. And I say good. (laughs) I'm sure Minnesota isn't saying good. That's right. they, uh, They... the other team, by the way, if you missed it, the other team scored a basket that was taken after the shot clock hit zero. They never replayed it, and they ended up losing the game by one point, and mm. that was the difference, and uh, that was the championship game as well, so uh, not ideal. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio reassembled this Friday from 7 till 9. Uh, just before we get there, we were late the first time around giving you the Hutches and the Beach 70th anniversary quiz question, so we're going to double up here. If you were listening a moment ago, just before the commercial, and you said, I think I know the name of that band, but I need another sample. I, th- I just It's on the tip of my tongue. What band was that? The quiz question tonight is, the band that is singing the next song we're going to play was once upon a time known as the Gollywogs, long before you knew them. But you got to know them as something different. What band, Luke, hit the music. What band is this? Nine zero five six four five three two two one or star nine nine hundred. If you know what band was just playing that song, used to be the Gollywogs, not anymore. I mean, they don't even think they exist anymore, to be honest. But in the seventies into the early eighties, huge band. What was that group? Nine zero five six four five three two two one star nine nine hundred. Get your guess in. Maybe win some free food from Hutch's on the beach. Uh, brightest panel in Hamilton Radio sitting in. 900 CHML's world headquarters here at the corner of Longwood and Main tonight. Sue Prestige, head of Mohawk Sports or Mohawk Journalism Program, could have been the Mohawk Sports Program. There you go. Mohawk Journalism and Mike Fortune from Cable 14. Uh, very interesting story uh, in, today in the city of Hamilton because the LRT apparently will never go away until the next big project trumps it. Remember, we had the stadium that just wouldn't go away, but then the LRT finally took it off the front page. It'll be the same with this one. But even though legal opinions now seem to say something, and at least that's the suggestion, and on and on, not every councillor 
is willing to back down yet. There is still a fight about LRT, and Councillor Terry Whitehead is at the center of a bit of a storm because he wrote a letter letter to the province raising some questions that he... I, I mean, I listen, I absolutely believe that Terry Whitehead is fighting for what he absolutely believes. I don't think he's being fake. I think this is a, this is absolutely his his passion and his belief and I for that I I I really can't criticize him all that hard if you truly believe this. However, there are many who will because they say he's way out of line. Regardless, he wrote a letter to the province basically asking a bunch of questions and making a bunch of comments about the LRT and didn't go through the traditional routes that you would say a councillor gives a letter to the city so that comes from the mayor's office or officially from the city. Um, the, the letter, as a result, was referred to as rogue. It was refer- referred to as disrespectful. Mike, I'll go to you first on this one. Um, is it rogue? Is it disrespectful? Or is it, you know what, I can't get my city council because they disagree with me to take up this question, take up this argument with the count province. I have no other choice. It, it's really tough to, to figure out this city council. Um, it started off pretty sharp, but it has taken a bit of a downward spiral, I would say. There are processes that you have to follow. There are processes that you have to follow within City Hall to put through a motion. There are processes you have to put in place if you want to file a complaint. As a city councillor, uh, Councillor Whitehead should also understand that there is a process if you want to get your words and your message across to higher levels of government. Did he step out of line? Does he want to be a bit of a maverick here? Yes, I do believe that. I do appreciate his passion, whether it's right or wrong. You know, I'll let others decide that. But you are basically telling the city of Hamilton, the province, and beyond. I'm going to do what I want to get my answers, and I don't really care what anyone else has to think about it. And I applaud Mayor Fred Eisenberger for standing up and getting to his response very quickly. This is shades of Brian McCaddy all over again, who did something similar a number of years ago. And I don't think it sits well with the Hamilton public. And, you know, I think people also look at Terry Whitehead and expect the unexpected with him. You just don't know which way he's going to flip or flop when it comes to how he wants to get his point across. I totally agree. There is a process. He's, he's making Hamilton look foolish in the eyes of the province and to, other, to Hamiltonians. I mean, really? You, you may have questions, but there is a process that you go through. You don't stand up and say... Oh, by the way, I've just sent off a letter to the the minister. Are you serious? Because it just makes the whole LRT thing. It's a much bigger picture than that because they're arguing amongst themselves. In 10 years, if we don't have an LRT and another council somewhere down the road goes, you know what, we should really get an LRT. And somebody's going to say, yeah, well, you're not getting a billion dollars like you were offered way back when. I mean... As much as everybody complains about it, you've got to look realistically at the finances of this situation. Mm -hmm. And when are we going to have this amount of money given to us 
for this type of transportation in the city. I just think, you know, it helps the whole bus system as well, because we'll have more buses that will feed into where the LRT goes, basically, from one end of the city to the other, which it was going down to Eastgate Square, but that's another (laughs) story. That's another story. Um, But no, I think it was totally out of line. And totally out of line. Could you, just to kind of maybe put this a little bit into perspective, can you imagine, pick any other councillor, doesn't matter who, and they decide that in Ward 8, they want to do a, a flyer, a direct mail to, to the residents of Ward 8 to know what their thoughts are without going through Terry Whitehead. And then Terry Whitehead finding out that Councillor XYZ all of a sudden stepped into his ward without going through and talking to him first. Exactly. He would raise Blooming heck. Well, you take it down to the level of any Hamiltonia who's working. If at Mohawk College I decided to email the president saying that I'm changing this in my course without going through my associate dean or my dean in order to get there, I can tell you what the result of that would be, and it wouldn't be pleasant, and it wouldn't be pleasant for me personally. I think he's rogue. Mm-hmm. I really do think he's rogue. All and right, how so you bring somebody back into line like let that? Me, let, me, let me play devil's advocate here. Because one of the questions that he asked in this letter is what happens if the costs of this start to exceed the billion dollars and what happens, what's the city on the hook for? Now, you can, you've both been very clear and very, you know, upfront about what you think of this letter. But if, if you're a city councillor who is trusted with looking after the betterment, betterment of the city and you don't have an answer and you are worried the city could be on the hook for tens or hundreds of millions of extra dollars. And as I say, the city won't take up your fight or ask your questions. Should he not do this? Should he not? Should a city councillor not do everything he can to look after the dollars and cents and finances of the city if he's worried that this is one of the problems? Excellent point. And, you know, there has to be another way that Councillor Whitehead could have gone and done this. And I, you kind of threw me for a loop there when you said, Scott, what if council doesn't back you or won't ask the questions that you want the answers to? But you know what? At the same time... Or won't... I guess they have asked the question. I want to... They, well, they have asked the question. I'm not sure the exact answer. The, the They've had legal... They had political ease answers back that haven't really he, given he, it. But anyway, He's continue. not happy with the answers that he has got. So maybe he's hoping that there'll be maybe just a slight change in a statement or a word rephrased or something like that. But again, you want to get your point across, you want to support your uh, constituents, then what you need to do is is make sure that in any one of the hourly long GIC meetings, council meetings, whatever you want, at least get your question out there so it's on the record. And then as a council, you should be able to work together. And this goes into a bigger thing then. If 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 you have 14 other councillors not helping and supporting you, then that leads even to a bigger issue, I think. Exactly. And, it, you know, does it say something to him in the end about, I get, you know, it's a legitimate question. It is. But there you don't you don't take it upon yourself to say, well, if I'm not getting an answer from you, then I'm going to go upstairs and get the answer. How many lawyers or consultants or, you know, what have you do we have on the city staff that could find out that answer for him? And and that's a really good point. And, you know, you, I, I've said this a few times today in other meetings I've had, and I live by this rule. You know, you always should try to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And again, with due respect to Councillor Whitehead, I I don't know if he wants to admit that maybe people around him are a little bit smarter and can help him out with a lot of this. He doesn't have to be the lone wolf and the maverick all the time. He should rely on the support system and the staff that he has available to him 
to help get some of these answers. Does this not sound to you like, and we all know people like this, that they will keep asking the question of multiple individuals until they get the answer they want? Even though nine people have told them this is what will happen, Mm -hmm. but if they still don't like the answer, they'll go to that 10th person. If the 10th person gives them the answer they want, then, hey... They consider themselves right. You feel right. good about yourself. Yeah. yeah. Consider one other thing, though, and we've talked about then this a lot on this show. We've had guests on it We've because there's always been the stuff about how does our municipal political system work with the ward boundaries and everything else. Now, we're not going to talk about ward boundaries oh, today. come on, please. No, not getting into Next that. Next topic. Too done bad. that. Done that. <laughs> done that more than enough. But the reality is for any councillor, and we're talking about Terry Whitehead, Councillor Whitehead right now, but it could be any councillor, your political future rides only and exclusively on how your constituents in your ward see you doing and whether they think you're fighting for them. How do you think this plays in Ward 8? Because if the constituents of Ward 8 think that Councillor Whitehead is doing the right thing, it doesn't, for his political future, doesn't matter what anyone else in Hamilton thinks because he'll get reelected. I think it goes a little bit further than that. I get that your constituents can only vote for you in your ward, but it, it can go a little bit um, broader, I believe, with word of mouth um, and also in regards into the corporate sector, so on and so forth. You know, if if you if you can get a whole city or a, a portion, a bigger portion of the city to all of a sudden to be pro a counselor or against a counselor, you can maybe gravitate that vote, I think, a little bit in specific wards as well. I think one of the things that happens in Hamilton, and I don't know why it happens in Hamilton, because other cities have been able to... Remember we had a board of control? Interesting. When we had a board of control, I think that the city might have been better managed, because that board of control was made up of people from across the city that had no expectation that they were going to be re-elected in their ward. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like, (laughs) you could argue with this, kind of like the Senate, you know, a sober second thought on a lot of issues. We don't have that anymore. And I think Not even in the Senate. (laughs) No, that's true. But I think what happens is that our counselors, I'm not painting everybody with the same brush, but a lot of counselors are so fixated on something that's happening in their particular ward that they, they fail to see the bigger picture. And if you have a number of people with that same idea, a number of counselors with that same idea, how much gets done? Well, this goes back to the whole idea that I've long thought as one is one of the possibilities for how you fix things. And again, we're not getting into the ward, but if you had a few city councillors representing wards and a bunch of them elected as councillors at large, you may have a broader image, broader picture, people not fighting for a fiefdom, but fighting for the city as a whole. Now, that's not a perfect solution. There's all kinds of problems with that, but it's one of the things. But again, I go back to this. If Terry Whitehead, if Councillor Terry Whitehead is getting feedback from his constituents that they truly have an issue with the LRT, that they hate the LRT, they want answers about the LRT that they're not getting, does he not have an obligation to his council or to his constituents to continue to fight for this. And I the the tough thing about that is we don't know how many people he's actually hearing from. Is it thousands? What if it or, is? Or, or or is or is it only 10? Okay, but Mike, what if it's thousands? What if he hundreds? What if he's hearing from hundreds of people that say I hate the LRT, you got to fight to stop the LRT. What are his obligations to his constituents? Well, I, I have it I I live in Ward 8. Um 
I'm around thousands of people, hundreds of people in Ward 8. I've heard no one complain about LRT in Ward 8. But they probably wouldn't I, call you about that. No, I'm, no, I'm just talking about Which, even going out, having a, a wobbly right. pop, or being at the park, hanging out, watching a ball game or something. You bring up the war, the, the LRT issue in the Ward 8 area. I'm hearing no one complaining about it. Um, I, I think if you look at other big names throughout the city and all that, and what's going on, I have a feeling they're not hearing a lot of specific people from Ward 8 and businesses from Ward 8 saying, they're throwing up their flag, and the LRT isn't isn't what should uh, be happening right now. I, I think there's a little smoke and mirrors potentially going on here. I think there's a small number of people that have gotten into uh, the Ward 8 councillor's head, potentially, and that's what's kind of blowing this whole thing up. Because unless you start to see names of actual people that are complaining and a list of businesses that are saying to Terry, no, you fight for us, we don't want LRT, you, you know, which way is it going to go? What is your to what is your obligation as a councillor to your constituents? Well, you have to listen to your constituents, but as you say, this hundreds, thousands, etc. I'm I guess I'm more worried about the bigger picture. How does Hamilton look to right. others and to other cities and to government officials? And listening to them is a key. Don't get me wrong, guys. Listening to your constituents is a key. But if this is going to be something for the betterment of the city, as a city councillor. And if you're on board with this or not on board, whatever way you want to go, and let's say for LRT, you know, most of the people are on board, they voted for it 100 times this way, then should you not be talking to your citizens in a more uh, positive way about LRT, how it's going to build infrastructure and create jobs and economy and build things downtown and beautify your city and bring in uh, new, uh, new business and tourism? I, I totally agree with you because we're looking at it in, you know, he, I think he's trying to micromanage the situation and that's not good for the city as a whole uh, because, as I say, the perception is, well, wait a minute, if I lived in the ward, I think I'd be asking my counselor, well, you know what? I thought this decision had been made. Mm-hmm. I thought... In fact, I thought the decision had been made twice that we were going ahead with it. What are we than, doing? I think it's more than twice. I know. we got to go to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll give you the quiz question again, play you some more music, and you will not believe, I'm willing to bet, who the United Nations just announced as their women's empowerment ambassador. Stay with us to find out. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Sue Prestige, Mike Fortune. All right, I, before the uh, break, I, I teased you with the idea of the United Nations. This is true. The United Nations has chosen a new ambassador for women's empowerment. This, you would presume, would be the person who is going to represent all that's good and great about strong women, about, well, whatever, women's empowerment. So, Sue. I'm cringing. Take a... Take, the wildest guess you can possibly imagine, the most ridiculous guess, uh, you're not going to be right, but who would be the <laughs> most... not going to be right. Pro- I, I would be... Listen, I'll follow to my chair I'll, almost. I'll, uh, one of the Kardashians. Not a, thankfully, not a Kardashian. Mike, who would be the wildest guess you could come up with? Why well, I, I threw out there Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Excellent guess. Not correct. The new ambassador for women's empowerment for the United Nations, keeping in mind, this is for the world. Mm-hmm. All right? Someone who is going to resonate with the world. Not even a real woman. They have chosen Wonder Woman. (laughs) The the fictional Wonder Woman is the ambassador for women's empowerment. Now, I don't know if this means Linda Carter has to pull out the magic lasso and the tights again and travel the world like Angelina Jolie did. I'm not sure how this works. I'm speechless. I can't believe it. Of all the... 
there half of the half of the population of the world, more than half, I believe, it's like fifty two percent are women. That means there's roughly three and a quarter billion women on the planet. And Wonder, and Wonder Woman, they couldn't find one real one that they thought would actually accomplish this purpose. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, did she get to vote? I'm just wondering. Um, you know, look at it this way, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting okay, to let, hear let, this. Let's put a spin on it. Um, the character was a superhero. Yes. fought crime and justice and, and, and was strong-willed and was able to stand up for herself and do what she could do and do what she wanted to do. Put aside, it's hard to get the image out of your head with the tight little push-up <laughs> and the little spandex and all that and the high boots. But if you push that aside for what she stood up for and how she how she was a superhero, <laughs> am I just spinning my wheels? You're, You're Su- spinning Su- your Su- wheels, man. Like, I am just, shut up now. I'm hard. just, I, all I'm thinking, um, has there ever been a comic animated I don't person know. or even a character from TV like they've never done the million dollar man or something. Yeah, Robin, they? I guess, was once. I mean, I know. I, I just find that astounding. How do you think Wonder Woman, with her high, yes. short pants and her boost J and everything else, how do you think she plays in, say, Saudi Arabia? <laughs> not well. Uh, <laughs> not well at all. I Where just... they've never even seen Wonder Woman before. Like, who is this stripper woman? Okay, who, who made this decision? Just out of interest. Well, I know that <coughs> the there have been hundreds of people who have been asking through some sort of, sur- uh, not survey, a uh, petition mm-hmm. to get the UN Secretary General uh, from Korea to say, let's rethink this one a little bit, shall we? I mean, honestly, of all the, again, three and a half billion, and even if you didn't want to have a live woman, surely there would have been someone from the past that you could have held up as the beacon of greatness for women's issues or for something from around the world. You know, even if they'd passed away, if you, if not one of the 3.25 billion women on the planet today meet up with your lofty expectations, surely one of the three or four billion who have gone before us could have done this. I just this. find no? it's really a slap in the face I, to women. Don't you? I can't, yes, but I can't say I'm not that surprised, only based on, look at the type of world we live in now. You know, we we live in this social media shock and awe, um, fantasy world at times. It's it's. I can't say that I'm surprised. Do I think it's a slap in the face? I just said yes. And there are a lot of other great choices that should have been out there. Is it going to get overturned? Who knows? Well, let me read you from. This is from the uh, the Guardian, the British newspaper. Here is the. Um, it was announced that Wonder Woman would become an honorary ambassador earlier this month in support of the UN's Sustainable Development Goal Number 5, quote, to achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. Well, you know, <laughs> what are they going to have? Multiple Wonder Women around the world? Like yes. multiple oh, uh, Ronald McDonald's going around? Well, you can't have clowns because they're creepy Yeah, around. that's true. <laughs> but I mean, down. really? They're going, it'll be like dressing up as Santa Claus and showing up in various areas. I don't get it. What, I mean, what? I don't, what is the role of Wonder Woman and how do they get that message out to the rest of the world? What if we flip the role a little bit here and if it was if it was supposed to be to represent all men across the world and they oh, said it's going to be Superman. Superman is going to represent all men. No. But but go uh, there's uh, we got to go to a break. But the other side of it is we can even laugh about this, but imagine if there was a cartoon character from Japan, some anime and they said this is the person we'd be all saying who? Who? Yeah. What? What? What does this mean? Does anybody know what this is? It. 
the whole thing just seems so insanely insipid and ridiculous and uh, that again, whole thing about the social media though that's really an interesting take on it because mm-hmm. I, like I didn't know that Wonder Woman was that well known around the entire world is you you know you brought up Saudi Arabia and you brought up you know various areas of the world where they may be going wow I what? think I think with the World Wide Web now, it opens you are exposed to anything and everything, and people probably in Saudi Arabia are watching Wonder Woman maybe for the very first time online through YouTube videos. As you we go know. to break, to answer your question, Sue, uh, the choice of Wonder Woman again from the Guardian was not the first time a fictional 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 honorary ambassador was chosen to represent the UN. Previously, Winnie the Pooh was an ambassador for the International <laughs> Day of Friendship. <laughs> Uh, a character Token from, Canadian. A character from Angry Birds was chosen for the International Day of Happiness, and Tinkerbell was made honorary ambassador of Green. Now, all those things as we go to break. Okay, we've got an ambassador of Green. I still think for women, you could do a little bit better. Anyway, I totally get it. Quick break. When we come back, we'll give you the Hutches and the Beach 70th anniversary quiz question. Get your musical ears on. You'll be hearing some when we come back. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. We're going to start somewhere that uh, that is near and dear to the heart of Sue Prestige. And in fact, you and I talked about something kind of similar to this several weeks ago when you were on here uh, guesting on a, on a segment. But it's about CBC. Yes. And you ha- you have worked at CBC. You've, yes. uh, you have a history there, and, and you have a long, good history there. But a really interesting little twist that's going on right now, because CBC has decided on mostly on their web level of coverage of things now that they are investing a lot of money and putting a lot more effort into a- analysis and opinion writing. So they've got the news operation going, but they're going to spend a lot more time. They've got a whole new part of their website that is just opinion and analysis. And a lot of people, especially within the media, are saying this is completely inappropriate, A, because it's competition with the regular media, but more importantly, should it's, in very, it's, it's inevitable that if you have opinion and analysis, you're going to be taking a side. That's what it is. Should a news organization that is paid for by taxpayers representing all taxpayers be having opinions or should they be presenting the news and saying, there is the news, take it as it is? You mentioned that it's a very it's separate on their website from their news operation. I don't expect to see Peter Mansbridge, you know, siding one way or the other uh, when it comes to having an opinion on a news event. What The reason I might support this, and I say might, is because I think especially on the analysis side, we've lost a lot of that. Because of social media, people will go for the first thing that they find, you know, when they they put a word in, they'll put in Putin or they'll put in Trump. Whatever that first story is, that's what they'll, what read. They, that's what they'll read. And there is, I think, over we've lost that sense of analysis. And there is analysis in newspapers, the editorial page, etc. Um, so I don't... I don't have a problem with it. I know that, you know, we've had this discussion before, that it's taxpayers' money, et cetera. If it's a clearly defined area, and I don't expect they're going to have the same analysts and and commentators on there. I assume that they're going to go for a wide range of different opinions on this. So I don't think that it would be politically leaning one way or the other. So I don't see the problem with it. Yeah, no, I I like this idea, and I've said 
to you, Scott, before on this show, and I forget exactly what the topic was, but when I when I read something that's going on in the world, I take the time and I take the effort to go through my Twitter page or whatever, and I will read multiple articles on that specific topic. And then from there, I will garner my own opinion. And I think if this is going to be something that is completely separate, as you alluded to, Sue, you know, you're not going to see Peter Mansbridge here, but you're going to have, uh, are these going to be paid analysts? Uh, analysts I, I assume so, yeah. So they're CBC employees. You're going to have these employees um, putting their thought, their perspective on what is a publicly funded uh, outlet here in, in this great country of ours. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing what some of these opinions are. I hope the opinions are kept cool, calm, and collected. I hope there's not going to be a lot of name-calling and digging and throwing mud at people. I hope it can all be done respectfully. And I hope the CBC, I don't know, Sue, you would know this better than I would, if they would monitor something like that, if they're putting any restrictions on how far you can go getting your point across. Well, uh, first of all, I I could be wrong. I bet that they aren't. Are they saying they're CBC employees that are doing the analysis, et cetera, or are they gathering analysis? No, my on understanding was subject. it will be CBC employees who will be who will be doing this. This will be people who work for the websites and work within the CBC organization who will be offering. Now, again, I don't expect that you're going to see Peter Mansbridge, as you say, taking but a you side. Might, right. You see a lot of freelancers, maybe, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And or, you know, this, this is why I was asking whether it was CBC employees yeah. or whether it was people who do analysis, let's say, for newspapers yeah. or worldwide or, you know, if there's an analysis of something going on in Syria by, you know, sure. a freelance reporter in Syria. Because it would make a difference if exactly. they're freelance reporters or if they're just CBC employees. Yeah. I kind of like the, the, the latter, that they're freelancers. They're right. not really affiliated with CBC, and they're just, they're voicing their thoughts and, and their opinions. And they, they would be paid. And you know what? I mean, I honestly don't think that CBC has a reputation of mudslinging. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, it doesn't, they have a really strong, and I know because I had to work under it, sure. it was a really strong code of ethics when it came to reporting and when it came to the writing style, et cetera. So I don't think the mudslinging would be an issue with this, but you know, I just like it for the sense of the analysis yeah. that would come out of and it. And that's what I like. I like that there is that code of ethics that you have to stand by so it doesn't turn into the fiasco that we're seeing across the border right now, and that's as much as I want to say about that. I think this is a great idea, and I think it's great that people have the opportunity to listen to and or read other people's thoughts and opinions. And you and if it's going to be put in a nice, succinct web page and you can just scroll up and down however you want, I don't know what the layout's going to be, I like the idea. And, you know, Scott and I have talked about the fact, you know, okay. about the taxpayers' money supporting CBC. Is that right? Are they going after, you know, are they competing with other networks? One of the things that we didn't talk about, Scott, was the ownership, media ownership. And... You know, is it a good thing in a country to have something that is, I mean, they're being, certainly CBC gets money from the government. It gets money from you and me. But there are a lot of other media organizations, television networks, that own multiple stations. There are newspapers that are, you know, one single owner owning a multitude of of newspapers. I'd be more worried about that. Mm -hmm. That's why I think CBC has a unique place in this country. Embrace it. And whether it's publicly funded like the CBC is or it's privately like uh, the other big companies out there, competition is not a bad thing. The argument against this, though, Mike, is that 
if you don't like what the Toronto Star writes, if you don't uh, like their political opinion, you don't buy the Toronto Star, you don't go on their website. If you don't like what the Spec writes, if you don't like what the Globe writes, the National Post, the Sun, whatever, you have a choice not to support them financially. You don't have a choice whether to support the CBC financially or not. And so if they, if and we don't know yet, although I think a lot of people expect that it will be leaning slightly left, that's the CBC leans slightly left at the very least, we'll say. Um, but if it, I don't think we're going to put it this way. I don't think we expect it to be a hardcore conservative opinion page. Uh, so, but if you disagree with that, what's your alternative? And so that's what people are, are saying right now is if I have to pay for this, why should I have opinion that I'm not going to agree with foisted upon me? Now, on the one hand, Sue, I think very clearly that is on, the, on one side, I've argued forever. It's good for you to hear opinion that you disagree with. It, it makes you think. It's a good thing to be offended. So I'm not arguing, and I think most smart people, most open-minded people would say, it's not about not ever being offended. That's a very positive thing. Be, being offended is a positive thing at times. It's about, will this be a pattern, and if am I going to have to pay for something that I continuously disagree with? That's that's the the basic idea behind the concern for this. I think we also have to go back, and we've discussed this before, about the basic uh, reason that CBC came into existence, because CBC and government money was used to set up radio stations and TV stations in areas where private broadcasters wouldn't go, Mm -hmm. because it just didn't make sense for them. But the government said there needed to be a way to join this country from sea to sea. And if that's where the money was going, that's now with new technology, could that argument, could the argument be made that, that, okay, maybe it's not the same as it once was. But would you agree that you see more Canadian stories on CBC television, and when I say stories about Canadians, by Canadians, et cetera, on CBC, than you might on the other private networks? I would argue probably yes. And that, and interestingly, there's an article, that, there's a, a column, an opinion piece, interestingly enough, in the National Post about this. And they're not taking the same position that I've just been taking with this, but they do raise something that along those lines. They say, Sue, you're absolutely right. They actually said your name. Sue Prestige is absolutely right. <laughs> I missed that <laughs> um, article. <laughs> and they said, you know what? There are things that the CBC does that others don't do. And their issue with this, which I hadn't even brought up, is you are now taking money out of the CBC news budget that would pay for radio stations or things in remote parts of the country and removing that to pay for the opinion writers. So you're actually going to be reducing the ability to do some of those things that you're talking about. Now, that's a separate issue from what I was going after, but they're saying there is news now that will potentially not be covered because we're going after this now in opinion and analysis area. Hmm. I don't know. I just, uh, I think every area of the CBC has been cut and not necessarily because they decided to go with analysis. They lost hockey. Let's be, you know. And that cost them a lot. That cost them an awful lot of money. And so every area of CBC got cut. When you start thinking about, I mean, you know, we're, we're speculating on what this is going to look like and how much it's going to cost. It's online. It's not broadcast. So... You know, maybe, maybe there is a way of, uh, you know, through sponsorship, et cetera, to keep it on the air. And you're saying, yeah, but that sponsorship money could be going to CHML. Um, oh, please. Instead. Yeah, please. Oh, yes, oh, the there, coming or, in your direction. Right to, right to or the just Scott to the Scott Radley, Radley Benevolent <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> we'll send it yeah, there. Yeah. But what, with that said, again, we don't know their books. We don't know their numbers and all that stuff. 
having someone come in and write an opinion piece, whether it's left, right, or right down the middle, and, and hopefully the editors and the people watching this will make sure that there is a nice even flow of this. You know, I, I can't see how expensive it would be to have a website up and running. You're sitting at your house in Vancouver, you type up your piece, you send it off to the CBC and it goes up. I don't think it's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars to keep this thing up, running, and going. And plus, uh, it's later this year, I believe, that Peter Mansbridge is retiring. So that There's $50 million a year that he has paid. That, you know what? <laughs> That's interesting. But he's not leaving until the 150th oh, right, okay. celebration. So, so it's another couple July. of years of his $50 million a year go. salary. I don't know what he gets paid. But anyway, he's never... He's never been willing to say. So Donald Trump is not the only one hiding his uh, <laughs> hiding his resources. Uh, quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Glad you're still here. Thrilled to have you this Friday. Going to send you off into your weekend soon. Don't forget, after the show tonight, stick around because Rick Zamperin, with the greatest post-game show of any sport in any country, Fifth quarter right here on 900 CHML. Do not want to miss that. Be ready to dial. Be ready to have your say on the Ticats who are, um, well, they're trailing 27-12 at halftime. Not exactly a... This is where they come alive, Scott. They like being behind. This is <laughs> yeah, their yeah, time well, now. That is, that is true. You, <laughs> that, that has been the case so far this year. <laughs> yeah. Although their defense in this first half has looked... Um, uh, Swiss cheese like. Oh come on, it's the rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. They can't However, it's also raining on Ottawa. <laughs> uh, that voice, Sue Pe- Prestige from Mohawk Journalism, uh, across the other voice you heard, Mike Fortune from Cable Fourteen, saw this story this week, and you know it kind of takes us back to the very first topic we were talking about about sexual assault. It's not supposed to be a theme, and it's not really about that per se, but it's more about just. Well, let me just tell you what it is, as, as opposed to wrapping it up. Derek Rose, NBA player, uh, was on trial for sexual assault. And he was not convicted. He was acquitted of the charges. So as he's leaving the courtroom in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Times described the people, the jurors, the jurors who just heard his case as giddily running up and posing for selfies with him as he left the building. Is anybody okay with this? Because to me, this seems... Even if he, see, some people are saying, well, he was not guilty. So therefore he's just Derek Rose, the celebrity. And why shouldn't a juror be able to have their picture taken with him? But to me, this seems wrong on just about every possible level that it could be wrong on. It is absolutely wrong on every level. And once again, I'm sounding like I'm against social media and I'm really not. But this guy is probably taking a selfie with him and posting it on his, you know, website, et cetera, et cetera. But somehow we've lost some kind of, I don't know whether it's gentility or manners or... Decorum. Decorum. That's the word, decorum, about how we behave. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? I I don't know the the rules of the court systems in the U.S. I've been fortunate enough to be a juror here in Hamilton, and I truly loved every minute of it. I know that once our case was finished... Uh, both the accused and and the victim, we we were nowhere near them. We couldn't. We were so let out, separate doors and separate parts of the building. So there was none of that interaction. 
So how much of this do you have to maybe blame to the bailiffs, the the judge, maybe the potential system down there to allow for this to absolutely. even happen? No, absolutely. But let's say for a second, Mike, let's say pick, I don't know, who's the most famous person in Canada? Let's, let's say that you were hearing a trial and we won't pick what crime it was and he is not doing anything. I don't want anyone to misinterpret, but let's say Wayne Gretzky had been on trial for something. All right, he's not, he's sterling, he's upright, all that stuff. But let's say you had been on the jury for a trial involving Wayne Gretzky and you acquitted him. Would you not have, would you think, if I get outside fast enough, I could actually meet him because I just saw him across the courtroom. I Listen, there. don't tell me there would not be jurors who would at least think that. Of course there would be. And again, that comes down to, I think, the type of society that we've turned ourselves into we're all about wanting to be or wanting to be around power and glitz and glory and, and, and the money and the superstars when at the end of the day you've just finished a very serious um, duty that you have been put upon your that's been put upon you and there's still a victim in potentially in that courtroom that is just crushed because his or her story wasn't uh, didn't come across or it wasn't they, they weren't found guilty. Again, I'm a different type of person. I like to always be devil's advocate and, and kind of be, be open about these things. I would not do something like that because there's still too many feelings. The, the situation is too raw at that point still. Okay, it, Sue, so what, if he's not guilty, why could you not pose for a picture with him? Because now he's not a criminal. He, is, he was wrongly charged. He's just Derek Rose, the celebrity, and I'm there. Uh, to me, and you, you said it t- this took place... Right outside of the courthouse, right? No, in the court building. So basically, this juror is rubbing the whole justice process. More than one, by the way. Yeah. And I mean, that is what's sad. I mean, in the United States, the jurors are able to speak to how they came to the decision. Here in Canada, that doesn't happen. The jurors cannot speak, as far as I know, to how they came to that decision. It's respect for the justice system, I think, that is missing in this case. I mean, but you're right. How did they get outside with him and to, it's just, it's so disrespectful Mm -hmm. to the whole system. But I don't know, you know, I can't justify that. I can't believe that that could happen in this country. But then again, I've been proven wrong before on that front. The the problem, Mike, or one of the problems, there's so many problems. One of them, though, would be that you could have the the belief then that this person acquitted him because they were starstruck. Exactly. That, that would, to me, if mm-hmm. I'm the, honestly, I don't know if it's a, an appealable act, but if I'm the accused, uh, if I'm the defend, if I'm the person who has raised the charges, who has made the, the allegation, even though you can't have double jeopardy in the States, I'm still thinking, wait a second, there's got to be a way to get this back in court because clearly he's out because they were wide-eyed and, and starstruck well, by this guy. Do, do I dare bring it up, O.J. Simpson? Well. Y- you know what I mean? It, uh, w- what are you supposed to do? It, it is so tough, and again, we've said this a few times already with social media, it is so tough not to have an opinion about anything and everything nowadays, and especially if you're a juror, you are told, you know, don't follow the news and do this and do that. People can't resist. And then once something like this happens, yes, they are starstruck and they want to be part of something because, like you said... Put it on Facebook. I, I, you know, I quitted Derrick Rose. Hey, I'm a hero to Chicago now, you know, because this guy isn't going to be in jail and he's going to be playing for your team now. And you mentioned the lawyer. What would it be grounds for appeal? Well, I've got proof. Here's a picture of the juror with and, the with Rose. And what what lawyer wouldn't want to go back and say that? Say, hey, wait a second. 
these were the ones that just let him go. We're going to appeal this. We want to put him back on tri- trial again. I, That's when it would be interesting because down in the States, they can't ask the other jurors how they all came to the decision. Yeah, At least that could be, you know, some kind of testimony or, or, or means for an appeal, mm-hmm. I would think. Now, to be clear, and that that's interesting because I want to just clarify one thing that I had wrong. This was not a criminal case. This was a civil jury, a civil trial of, where he was accused of being part of a uh, let me just read it to you here. It's from the Business Insider. Uh, a Los Angeles civil jury on Wednesday cleared New York Knicks point guard Derek Rose in a case involving an alleged gang rape from 2013 and dismissed a woman's $21.5 million lawsuit filed against the player. Afterwards, several jurists, uh, j- several journalists on scene at the courtroom reported members of the jury were, quote, giddy to meet Rose in person, and some even posed for pictures with him and his lawyer. And they on the site, they've posed these pictures, posted these pictures. And of two of the jurors they talked to, one said they never heard of Derek Rose before. They didn't realize he was a celebrity. I find that hard to incredibly believe. Incredibly hard. I'm sorry. Anybody who is, what, six foot seven, who walks into a courtroom, you're not at least going to. I mean, I know not everyone who's six foot seven plays basketball, but a guy who looks like he's in great shape, who's. You're not going to wonder. And the other one says, yes, I was a fan. So. So many things wrong. I I I, I like. I, I actually disagree with one thing you said, Sue. I like in the American system that jurors can explain how they came to their verdict. I like that from their system because I think it probably it probably helps both sides, but it allows us to have a glimpse into whether or not the jury did their job or not. Because when we heard the O.J. Simpson, Mike brought up O.J. Simpson, we realized what a bunch of meatheads those jurors really were. And we learned that by them opening their mouth. What's that old line about you can have people think you're an idiot or you can open your mouth and prove it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, the tactic, but they, well, there were also the tactics in the OJ trial, et cetera. Um, but, but I think you it's know, that sometimes in, positive. I think it's sometimes positive to hear what happened. But isn't doesn't that jeopardize part of the justice system as well? I mean, one would think that you have to exhaust all appeals before... I, how the jury before we find out how the jury came to their decision, because by finding that out, mm-hmm. you know, how well, we, we have not dismissed. We do. We have a different system because right. our crown attorneys can appeal. We can put we can appeal a, a, an innocent or a not guilty verdict, whereas they can't. And so for the jurors, it's a, I mean, I understand that it's different. I understand we can't do this, but I do at times, like the idea of at least hearing, why did you come to that decision? You mentioned something uh, when you were talking about this, that even the lawyer was involved in these photos. Oh, yeah. No, well, well, it looks like one of the pictures that I'm looking at, there are two people who are jurors, and, and it certainly appears to be his lawyer with him. Okay, so let's for argument say it is the lawyer, and I'm just speculating I can't see the photo. What does this also say about the lawyer as well? Me, 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 me. Look what I've done, everyone. Look, 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 look how good of a job I do with celebrity athletes. Oh, guess what? You know, here's how you can get a hold of me. At the end of the day, this is a billboard for him right now, too. Right. And, you know, you sort of corrected yourself, Scott. And I don't think it makes a difference whether this was civil or criminal. That was still disrespectful of the system. You right. know, and, and just shouldn't have happened. Let me add another layer to this. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, there's more. Someone from Deadspin. <laughs> Deadspin is a is a sports generally, but not all uh, website. Uh, the jury initially declined to speak to reporters, but later some jurors posed with Rose and his attorney. One juror who gave her name only as Jennifer said, "We all wanted to get a pic with him." That's the first part. But the second part, oh, 
the judge presiding over the case at the end of the trial, just as he was dismissing the court, said, best wishes, Judge Michael W. Fitzgerald told Rose, except when the Knicks play the Lakers. Oh, jeez. So. <laughs> wow. Now. Can we see the shovel just digging in deeper? Okay, now, the justice to be system? fair, this was a jury trial, so the judge's... You know, if he he wasn't the one making the decision, I have less, you know, ill-advised probably. I have less problem with him making that kind of comment, although it does, again, seem to make the whole thing sound rather frivolous. Exactly. But the jury, do they, do, do they not down there, do, they, do we not still hear try and say, hey, do you have a reason why you shouldn't do this? And usually it seems we just want to get rid of the people who, for whatever reason, couldn't possibly be on the jury, but shouldn't one of the other decisions also be, is there a reason you desperately want to be on this jury? Because that to me seems equally problematic. That's, you know, that's a fascinating question. And yeah, I don't think one. it's ever, it's never asked, well, you served on a, a jury, oh, right? I, I heard every excuse in the world why they didn't want to be or couldn't be on a jury. I'm not going to get into any more detail nope. than that. But that's a, that's a fascinating way, especially because, again, I know when we did our selection process, uh, the accused had to stand up and we, we saw who it was and we knew what the case was going to be about. I don't know if it's the same in the States or not, but I'm pretty sure if you're in a jury pool and you see what could potentially be, and if they say Derek Rose... You know, you're probably going to think, isn't it? I want on this. Absolutely. I want, I want to be, be part of something cool. Mike, yeah. imagine if up here in the Bosma case, for whatever reason, oh you had either a connection with Millard and what? I can't well, remember. they wouldn't allow Smitch. you in. And Smitch. You, 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 couldn't, you, you couldn't be a jury. Oh, you no, have no, to but, disclose that. You uh, could, they wouldn't even allow it. It can't happen. Uh, but what I'm saying is you don't necessarily disclose it. It's only, you know, you're, you're friends through mm. a friend. There's no way. No. I'm just saying if you had, or if you were the other way, if you somehow had such strong feelings from what you'd read, but you're just not going to disclose that, and you were desperate to get on this jury, that to me is every bit as problematic as the people who want to get off for one bad reasons. One of the questions that the Maybe judge more. asked each and every one of us, is there for any reason that you cannot be impartial for this trial, and you don't think and people lie? Of course, people, and of course, people were saying, "I, I, I you know, I've, I've, uh, I can't be partial for certain reasons." Again, I won't go into the details, and they made a lot of sense. And I'm sure, on the flip side, they would say that as well too. But under no circumstances can you be a juror if you have any affiliation, if you're a friend through a friend, even if you've been to one party, apparently. And they've been in there, and you've talked to them. You can't be on that juror. You're not going to avoid people lying to you get can't. on. I would suggest, and you witnessed it, I bet there were more people who did not want to be Absolutely. on the jury than there are people who do want to be on a jury. Correct. And it's part of the system because there is no, you know, we have a situation uh, that was, you know, in the Hamilton Spectator about a woman that is looking to get um, – uh, money to pay for therapy because she sat through yeah, PTSD uh, for yeah, yeah horrible trials and the things that she saw etc. There are people who don't get paid, uh, but you know if the trial's really long, they're not going to get paid after a certain point. How? Mm -hmm. yeah, no wonder there are so many people saying, "I don't want, I can't but be again, on this trial." There was a process, and the judge that we had was fantastic, and they laid everything out for us in the Canadian system, and we knew how long it was going to be. And this judge, 
uh, was very open about what they were expected to do, very open to the reasons why and, and sympathetic to why you couldn't. And you know what? Because this was this type of a case, I understand you can't be impartial to this one, but guess what? There's another one that's going to be all about finances and all that and embezzlement. We want to put you in that jury pool and see if you can do that. And they also took um, took a notice if, if they were self-employed, mm-hmm. if they were uh, d- somehow disabled or something, and doctor's notes would come in. They are very sympathetic to all that. But yes, to the other side of things, if if it's a celebrity type thing and you want to be on it, you can also, I'm sure, get, get on it I bet well. there, we got to go to break. Yeah. I bet there, and when you are called to the L.A. County jury pool, <laughs> there are people who are praying that it's Michael Jackson or O.J. Simpson or Derek Rose or whoever. Just give me a celebrity. I want to be there on a celebrity jury. Cause and you look know at what? this person for days on end. I got a book deal after this if it goes well. Mm-hmm. And if not, I get a selfie. <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. A few minutes left in the show this evening in the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, Sue Prestige, Mike Fortune. We leave the most idiotic for the end. Well, actually, <laughs> I don't know that we can top Wonder Woman as a UN ambassador for women, but... Um, you probably she's heard inspiring. The, yeah, she, yeah, well, yeah. we're never going to agree on that one, Mike. <laughs> she, she's an eight. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. oh wow! We're channeling the dawn. Yes. Wow. Yes. I, I had had he not said something like that earlier this week, you could never have got away with making yeah, that joke because right. nobody would have understood. And, and what the listeners should know, Scott, you're even holding your hand like Trump was right there when you were saying that with the fingers out like that. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm not as I'm not as orange, but that's okay. Uh, but as the second stupidest story of the week, perhaps uh, you may have heard this. This guy in, where did it happen? Um, I don't even know where it was. In the States somewhere, um, typical, uh, ate a pepper, a hot pepper, (laughs) a ghost ghost pepper, pepper, that was so hot that it caused his esophagus to tear. A 2.5 centimeter tear in his esophagus because he got coughing and burping and everything so hard because this pepper was so hot. It was, (laughs) what is it, they... I guess um, if you get pepper sprayed, it's a certain number. This was as hot as being pepper sprayed, but down your throat, basically. It was. It, so my question is... <laughs> why do they grow them? <laughs> why do they grow them? Yeah, sure. That, that's a good question. But he knew when he... Like, this is not an accidental injury. He knew when he embarked upon this that something could go askew. I know there's people online that do these things and you watch the YouTube videos and it's all very funny while people begin to like bleed from their eardrums and turn every shade of purple and stuff. But should we be going to a system where, you know what, if you do something to yourself that is so insanely predictable that there is a likelihood of you having an injury, that when you have the completely predictable injury that follows, you know what, you're paying for your medical bills. We're not taking this one out of the government's money that's going to the people who are in car accidents and other things that, you know, are honestly are heart attacks. You knew that eating a pepper with a 1 million Scoville scale attack meter, whatever you want to call it, was going to cause you problems. So you know what? Bill is yours. Well, you know what? Then you have now put the responsibility of every teenage boy <laughs> who has done anything. Re- I, you as know, an maybe, adult, let's uh, say. You know, as teenage girls, you know, maybe. But, uh, no, you know, well, you, you say do teenage stuff. Boys, that's true. It's they do stuff that's kind of stupid sometimes because the brain is not fully developed. I don't know how old was this guy, or does it say? Uh, but, keep talking while I look it up. Yeah, I don't okay, know there if, you go. Uh, I just, you know, you can't. 
Yeah, you know, if you want to relate this, I know it's this guy eating ghost peppers and whatnot, but, you know, this whole argument with the city, you know, should we start charging people that fall off cliffs uh, from waterfalls, you know? We're in the same brain, so I was going the same way yeah. with that. Yeah, and, um, you know, I don't think you can go to that extent as much as you'd like to. It's going to happen, and I was going to ask if this was videotaped. Uh, that it was, was taped and if it was recorded somewhere and did I, it go viral? Okay. First of all, I don't know, but I would be absolutely shocked if it wasn't because why else would you eat a ghost pepper this hot unless you were going to try and put it online and get people to look at me? Why do people go into restaurants and eat a 36-ounce steak so they can get okay. their name up on the totally wall? Totally different thing. No, no, no. Who wouldn't want to eat a 37-ounce <laughs> steak? If I could pu- put one back, I would do it tonight. Um, no, this is he was 47, oh. by the way. So I'm with you 100%. 16-year-old teenage boys brains functioning at about one-tenth of their eventual capacity, that would be a different thing. But once you've become an adult... So you hit the age of 21, for example. Maybe that's how you do it. Let's even give you the the cushion then of the three years after you can vote, which is a little frightening that (laughs) we're saying you can't eat bell... You can eat bell peppers after you can cast a ballot. But anyway... Yeah, okay, so 21 years old, your brain presumably is now in some sort of motion... (laughs) And you still do something asinine enough that you are predictably getting yourself in trouble, should we say you pay the bill. But here's the thing. Does this 47-year-old man know that a ghost pepper, I mean, he may somebody might say to him, you know, this is really, really hot. And he'll probably say, I can do it. I've eaten this pepper. I've eaten that pepper. He just, until he does it, he doesn't realize what he's done to himself. And I'm surprised, where's the restaurateur in all of this as well? Like, you know, may, maybe the restaurateur should be a little more, follow a little bit of legalities and get a lawyer involved as well, because all this is fun and games. Where did this, do we know where this happened? It happened in the States at a restaurant? Like why wouldn't this home. why wouldn't this guy go after the restaurant too? Again, yeah, we don't know all the if circumstances yeah. and de- details, but if that is the case, uh, I'd be going after whoever served it to me. Okay, I, d- I no, doubt whether I, I doubt whether laughing. a restaurant would serve something that hot. Well, hey, I'm laughing. Competition. I'm laughing know. because as as someone who writes for a living as well as doing this, I enjoy fully great turns of phrase that people use. The Washington Post writer who wrote this story. Uh, a ghost pepper's heat is described in terms normally reserved for carpet bombings. That's a good start. Oh, my God. Um, uh, where was the next line that he used? Um, yes, uh, peppers that pass the one million mark in the Scoville scale are called super hot. As, as a rule, they're reddish and puckered as though one of Satan's internal organs had prolapsed. <laughs> this is what he is eating. So, uh, you know, even if he is the dumbest man on the planet, and there's evidence to believe that he might be. He might qualify. You Maybe. still have to know that when someone says, this is really hot. No, the other peppers, they're hot. This is dangerously hot. But think about it. It's a 47-year-old guy. Do we know if he had any drinks in him already? Oh, oh I don't know. Oh, I can do that. No except, problem. Except, you know what the drinks that he did have in him? <laughs> when this thing starts going down, according to the story. Now, what what's the first thing you know when you eat something really hot? What do you not drink other than grapefruit juice? You're not supposed to drink you know, water. Yeah, cool. water. Yeah. Water. He drank six glasses of oh, water. Oh, gosh. Someone help this man out. At least be prepared. Have the yogurt, have the milk, whatever nearby that would might slow it down a little bit. Drinking water heats it up, doesn't yeah, it? It accelerates it, it yeah. and then spreads it everywhere. So now your whole system is burning up. Is there anything in the story about whether he's married or not? Yeah, exactly. Because I'd love to have been a fly on the wall when he got 
to the hospital. Um, and his wife greeted him. Yeah, yeah, just standing over him, nagging at him. <laughs> you idiot! Yeah, uh, she didn't yeah, probably yeah. say it with that voice. And if she did, then uh, no, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I This whole thing just strikes me as, we do, I, I just, you talk about falling down into the, the devil's punch bowl or whatever, all these other things. At some point, we have to expect that there's going to be some responsibility from adults. Again, a 15-year-old, 16-year-old boy, a young girl, yeah, okay, that's, you know, they do stupid things, but this guy should be, I mean, I don't know, maybe he has insurance, maybe he doesn't, but if we're in Canada, you should be paying your own bill for something this dumb. People need to be more accountable for their actions across the board, no matter what goes on nowadays. Thank you, thank you. I absolutely agree, and that was Mike Fortune with the wise words. (laughs) That's Mike why is, I'm part of the brightest panel. Mike right. Fortune's kids right are listening. There. Keep that on tape for Mike Fortune's kids when they get about five years old. That's man. right. Man, oh man, we'll bring gold, it up then. baby. Gold. <laughs> the Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.